Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is coming. Our text for our sermon is the second epistle written to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 13 through chapter 3, verse 5. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. This is the word of our Lord. The church shall be triumphant because she is married to the groom. The groom is the Savior and he's already won the battle. He's already won the war when he died on the cross and rose again. But the church gathers together and it often seems that it is not triumphant. In fact, it seems like the world and the devil are just grinding it under his boot heel. This is really the message of the entire uh, book of Revelation. It mentions persecution from sea. That would be persecutions that come from outside of the visible church, such as governments like the Roman Empire or radical Islam. And it also mentions persecutions that come from land. This would be persecutions that come from within the visible church, such as in the Reformation when the visible church, the the one man put a a ban on Luther's head, or when the emperor used uh, soldiers to come in and attack those who were actually clinging to the word of God. So it seems like the devil is always winning and the church is always being ground under his boot heel. But it says time and time again, God will preserve the elect. And in the last day, they will see truly what they believe from the get go. The victory is there. So hold tight. And today, the Apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonians. He's wrote one previous letter, but then a shyster came along. They wrote a false letter claiming it was from Paul that had them all confused about what was going to happen in the end of times. Our section begins after he straightens out false things they said about the Antichrist. And so today, as we await the day when the church is seen as triumphant, we will be comforted by your election. We'll learn to stay in the word and pray for the spread of the word. So, as I said, the Apostle Paul has just straightened out things that they were confused about on the Antichrist. And he says in verse 13, Now we ourselves are always under continuous obligation to give thanks to God about you, brothers, who have been loved by the Lord, because God chose you for himself from the beginning for the goal of salvation only by means of the sanctifying work of the spirit and soul belief in the truth. Wow. You can write an entire book, a thick book on what Paul has just said. Now, interesting, though, here is the doctrine of election or predestination. He says there that God chose you from the beginning. And we've got to pay attention to our prepositions in the Greek because there's two for, for a source. One would be ek, from the interior to the exterior, but that's not the one used. Apo is the one used, from the outside to the outside. See, God is above time. In fact, God's first creation was time. You don't have a beginning without time, and that's where Scripture begins, in the beginning. 
God is above time. Before time. Before he said, let there be time or whatever it was that we had a beginning. God had already planned out your salvation. God knows all things. He knew that he created this to be perfect and that it would fall. And why he let it? Well, ask him when I get to heaven. I probably won't care. But he chose you and I before there was time, and then made sure that everything came together, that you and I would hear the word, and the Holy Spirit would enter our hearts, and we would believe. This is tremendous comfort, brothers and sisters in Christ, because, for example, we read King David, who was an outstanding believer, wrote most of the Psalms. And then one day he's out on the roof of his palace, looks over and sees Bathsheba and says, Hubba, hubba. And he commits adultery and he commits murder to cover it up and he falls from the faith. But God had elected him. He didn't deserve it, neither do you and I. God sent the prophet Nathan. So the doctrine of election is supposed to be pure comfort, pure grace for you. God says, I've got you and I will keep you until the day of salvation. But it's confusing to our sinful nature. Because our sinful nature wants to know why God chose you and I. And it wants to think there must be something lovable in us, something great in us. Nope. Then our logic kicks in and says, well, if if God chose me, then he must have, before he said, let there be light, chose others to be damned to hell. No, God wants all people to be saved. So then we get worried and we say, well, why me and not my neighbor? And the answer is, if you're truly concerned about your neighbor... They may be elect. God may be planning for you to share his word with them. If you're worried about your neighbor, share the word. Then finally, the sinful nature screams out, but it's not fair. If God's going to be fair, we all go to hell because we are all conceived, mean, lean, God-hating machines. But there's a wonderful comfort as I look and say, what if I do fall into sin? What if the word becomes boring to me? God says to me, be comforted. I chose you. I've got you. So the doctrine of election is very comforting. And notice the preposition again. He chose this only by means. Not your decision. Not your doing works. Not your buying it. Only by means of the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit comes through the message. He enters your heart and He sets you apart. Sets you apart for God. Makes you holy because you receive the blood of Christ. You are now God's child, and God says, I'm going to keep you to the day of redemption. And, and, our, and our text clarifies that. It says, and so, belief in the truth. Have you ever noticed somebody who's so enmeshed in a misunderstanding or a lie that they just can't see the forest from the trees? That's our natural condition. We think we've got to earn salvation. We think that, we think that God owes it to us. We think a hundred things that are lies. But when the Holy Spirit enters your heart through His Word, He gives you belief in the truth. Now, if you mix a lie in with the truth, the truth is no longer the truth. But the truth is, God has just told you, He chose you. And He sent His Son to take on human flesh to be righteous for you. And He was nailed to the cross, and He endured the punishment your and my sins deserve so that He could raise, so that you would receive the ultimate goal. And that's verse 14. For that goal He also called you through our gospel, resulting in obtaining the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when He says our gospel, He's not saying that His gospel is different than the other apostles. 
He's talking about he and the evangelists that were with him, like Timothy, who had come to Thessalonica. Resulting in obtaining the glory of our Lord. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, when the Holy Spirit's in your heart, he creates that new person that is alive and believes in the Lord and is going to outlast the grave. And that new person already is, has God's glory. But it's not completely seen in this world because it's wrapped up in sinful flesh. It's, it's wrapped up in a body that also has this sinful nature. When Christ returns and everything is made glorious, then that new man, the Holy Spirit has created, that new woman, he, he, that's all that there's going to be. And he's going to give you a glorified body and you will truly shine out and will truly see, not just with the eyes of faith, but with your own eyes, God's glory in your glorified body, in your sinful nature utterly removed. Seems like a long way away and we look and we see, we hear every day of Christians being killed, being imprisoned in communist China, being blown up and tortured to death by radical Islam, governments that are working against it. You would think in this last election cycle, every problem in our nation was caused by us Christians, right? So Hollywood believes it. Jesus says, hang in there. As we wait for the day when the church is seen as triumphant and we know it will, be comforted by your election. God says, I've got you and I'm keeping you. And that is pure grace. That is God's I love you to you. But how do we find comfort in our election? We wouldn't even know about it. It would be confu- it's confusing to our sinful nature if we don't have the word that assures and promises us of that. So the Apostle Paul says in verse 15, Accordingly then, brothers, keep on standing firm and continue keeping a firm grasp on the teachings that were passed along to you, which you were taught whether through our word or through our epistle. Remember, Paul had wrote one epistle before this to the Thessalonians. You and I, we, whether we're taught it by word, when a, when a friend shares it or a parent or a relative, whether we're the one teaching it or whether it's actually hearing it in God's word, which the Holy Spirit inspired and is recorded for us, we cling to it. God's Holy Spirit worked through that message. Then he brings us to that message. And in that message, we are, our faith is empowered to keep a firm grip. If you want a stronger faith, you don't need to run to the bookstore and buy 15 how-to books. There's one book. Be in the Word. Do your devotions. Come to Bible study. Do what you're doing now. And God says, I assure you, I've elected you, and I'm drawing, my Holy Spirit's drawing you that Word, and in that Word you will keep a firm grasp. Why? Because again, our sinful nature is a big old liar. And He wants us to think otherwise. We're told in verse 16, Now may our Lord Himself, namely Jesus Christ and God our Father, who loved us and who who gave us eternal consolation and hope within the boundaries of His grace, console your hearts and may He firmly establish you in every good work. See, the sinful nature says God can't forgive you for that. You turn to the Word and the Word says, Oh, God has forgiven you for that. The sinful nature says God cannot be that loving and you turn to the Word and God says, Oh, I love you so much, I hold you. And when we're worried if our children are going to fall away or our relatives, God says, I'm sending you. Come with my word and comfort and console them. I will not give up the fight. A consolation that we have, a comforting. My Holy Spirit's in your heart. I've elected you and I am keeping you. I continually pour the blood of my son on your sins. And that word hope, you've heard me say this before, the Greek word elpis. In English, I, I got to tell you, the other day I ran to Menards to get a part and, and I stopped by the little kiosk and I signed up because they've got a four-door, half-ton Ford truck, blue, looks beautiful. I hope I win it. 
I've signed up for that vehicle for various vehicles over the last 10 years and I've never won one. So my hope really is a fleeting thing. That is not what scripture means by hope. God elected you. God purchased and won you. The hope your new man has is a confident expectation. You expect because God has promised it to you and put his Holy Spirit in your heart that you will have that glorified body. That heaven is yours. And when hard times come upon us, we know that God is using them to show us where we're weak. So that, and he's strengthening us with his word. Yes, God does discipline us. He does allow hard times. But it's for our good, and we confidently expect that because God promises us. And by being in that word, he consoles our hearts, and he firmly establishes us in every good work. You're doing a good work right now. We don't do good works to be saved. You can't do a good work unless you are saved. And when you are saved, that, the Ten Commandments tell you what a good work is. And they all revolve around loving God and loving your neighbor. When you have the love for God, you can truly love your neighbor. Being in the Word not only strengthens your faith, it's a good work that then confirms you in good works, allows you to do more. And why do you do them? You don't do them because you want to earn salvation, you're saved. But simply to glorify and thank God. It just is a natural function the Holy Spirit builds into our hearts. So the apostle in verse chapter 3, verse 3 says, Yet the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and he will guard you from the evil one. Again, how does he do this? He draws you in the word. But I find a lot of comfort here. Because the devil is more powerful than you and he's more powerful than I. And he's more powerful than you and I combined trying to stand up against him. But to God, he's nothing. Nothing at all. Yes, God will let the devil get away with some of his plans because God uses them for your good. As I said, sometimes he'll let us suffer consequences of our sin to teach us not to do that or to show us where our faith is weak so that we cling to him. But what a wonderful comfort it is that God is protecting you. And in fact, in the famous chapter of Ephesians chapter 6 where the Apostle Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God, what is your offensive weapon? A sword. It's a two-edged sword. It's the word. It's law and gospel. The law exposes sin. Whack! The gospel removes sin. Whack! And God keeps the devil at bay and he gives you his word. As Luther sang in a mighty fortress is our God, one little word can fail him. What's that word? God's love. God's grace. Name of love, grace, forgiveness. Any of those little words and plenty others will not will send him running because you can be confident because God draws you to his word. So the Apostle Paul says in verse 4, Now we have been convinced so that we place our confidence upon you, again, paying attention to Greek preposition, only within the boundaries of the Lord, that what instructions we are passing along you also keep on doing and will continue doing. Now, it's interesting, that only within the boundaries of the Lord. If we instruct you something that's not within the boundaries of the Lord, then you don't need to do that. So if Pastor Sherman were to say, I want all of you to sell your cars today and give me your money so I can get me a brand new Lamborghini or four-door, four-blue, half-door. Anyways, you wouldn't have to listen to that. That's not in accord with the word of the Lord. And how do you know it? Because you're in the word. But he's also, the conviction Paul has in this is because the Lord has convinced him. He saw it when he brought the word. He saw that they were elect. He saw how the Holy Spirit entered their hearts. So he says, that letter, it was confusing to you, but it was a false letter. And you knew to at least check with me. If something that is taught doesn't line up, you reject that. But we're confident that when it is the word of the Lord, you'll, not only are you doing it, but you'll keep doing it. Just as you guys. God wants you to come to his word, so you're here. He wants you to trust in forgiveness, so he assures you of forgiveness, and you trust in it. 
you are doing and you will keep on doing because you're elect. So, so far, as we wait for the day when the church is seen as triumphant, be comforted by your election and stay in the word. Finally, we want to do something with that word, right? We want everybody to rise and be in that church triumphant. That's what we really want. And the Apostle Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, brothers, keep on praying about us, that and so that the word of the Lord may continue spreading rapidly and that it may be glorified just as also it did to you. So he tells them the content of the prayer and the result he wants out of that content of the prayer and they're one and the same. Pray that the word spreads. Pray that it is glorified. And it was in them. See, God had set the apostle Paul aside to be the apostle to the Gentiles and the word spread. It spread on that Pentecost Sunday with the flaming tongues in Jerusalem and it spread all the way to Thessalonica. And when Paul writes this letter, he's well beyond Thessalonica. And that it's glorified. God's word is glorified when you embrace it, when you believe it. It's glorified when you share it. So this is a prayer we have right here in Casper, Wyoming. God's word has come to you and it's glorified in you. And we pray, Lord, Lord, let me have the privilege of being your servant. Let me get to share and spread that word. But there can be obstacles. Again, we've already mentioned persecution in and outside of the church. And so the Apostle Paul adds something to that prayer. He says, also that and so that we may be delivered from those men who are, and the Greek word is out of place and wicked. Because the faith does not belong to all. Now he's not just talking about the unbelieving world. Everybody knows that the world's full of unbelievers. The Greek word is out of place and wicked. Many people translate it wicked and evil men because they don't get this. What would an out of place man be? Well, if he's a teacher in the visible church and he's teaching falsely, he's out of place. We studied the book of Galatians not too long ago. And we learned that there were Judaizers who came in and they said, you know, Paul said you're saved by grace and he's right, but you got to add works. You, you got to have this little painful amount of skin removed from a certain member of your body. Fear dietary laws. Those men were out of place. And Paul wrote a letter to put them in their place to show the Galatians that they belong in God's grace, not in works. We looked, the word had been lost in the Reformation. And the very people who should have been teaching it in its truth and purity, when Luther stood up and said, here's the word, they threatened to kill him. They worked to keep him from speaking because it was lining their pockets. Those are men who are out of place and wicked. So you and I, we want our neighbor to be saved. So we pray, Lord, let your word spread. Let me be your instrument. But also just like the apostle, we know that there's going to be out of place and evil men. Peter says that God allows that to show which ones are the true believers. We pray, Lord, let me be your instrument in chasing them away and let them stay out of the way. Let them not be a hindrance. So yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, even though these people belong in the visible church, they're not members of the invisible church. And God will take care of them, but he gives you the privilege of standing up with the ward and swinging that sword, the law and the gospel. And so as we await the day when the church is seen as triumphant, Be comforted by your election. God chose you. He became a man for you. He died for you. He rose for you. He put his Holy Spirit in your heart and he keeps you in your salvation. How does he do that? By staying in the word. So stay in the word. And finally, that word is so precious to us that we pray for the spread of the word and that the obstacles that would hinder its spread be removed to God's glory. Amen. Our closing votum for our sermon is verse 5 of our text. Now may the Lord guide your hearts toward and into the love of God and toward and into the endurance of Christ. Amen.